We've said this, this we're in an emotional series. We're talking about emotions. It's not just an emotional series, but uh, it's been a series about emotions. emotions. Have you been learning some good things from this? Good. Uh, but we've said this, that EQ is really more important than IQ because EQ, uh, and don't get me wrong, I don't want anybody to think that well, you don't have to study or have knowledge to get a good job. We're not saying that. But I am saying this. If you've got a terrible EQ, you probably won't be able to keep that job. EQ is more important, in my opinion. That's all opinion. What is EQ, emotional intelligence? They say this. It's the ability to face challenges by being aware of one's own self, self-awareness, you know, there's so many people going, you don't even know what's going on on the inside of you. You should. You should know what's going on on the inside of you. The ability to find positive ways of dealing with stressful situations, communicating effectively and politely with others. Emphasis on politely with others. Anybody can communicate, but you... Willingness to form healthier relationships by working closely with people. Uh, the ability to use all these qualities to achieve success at work and life. And uh, I know that all of us have maybe struggled with certain emotions. Have you? I mean, I think we all have. And, uh, and sometimes you may feel like a failure. But uh, I think after today, you, those feelings will be gone. First John chapter 3, verse 20. It says, whenever our hearts in tormenting self-accusation make us feel guilty and condemn us. What is condemning you? Your own heart. Not God. I said not God, but your own heart. It says, for we are in God's hands, for he is above and greater than our conscience and our hearts. And he knows, perceives, and understands everything. Nothing is hidden from him. And beloved, if our conscience, our hearts do not accuse us, if they do not make us feel guilty and condemn us, we have confidence, complete assurance and boldness before God. If you do not have complete assurance and boldness before God, it's because you're living in a condemning, condemning state. You have guilt that is just... And let me tell you something. Religion and the world wants you to live in that frame of mind, to feel condemned to feel guilty, to feel unworthy. You know, when I was raised in church, it was, uh, we all felt that it was God. If you felt unworthy, you're right on target. If you felt condemned, that's a good thing. Well, that is so unbiblical. I said, that is so unbiblical, to feel condemned and guilty and woe is me. You know, and God, I don't feel worthy to you, God. And we would, there, you would hear awesome prayers, you know, awesome in the sarcastic way. Uh, you know, oh, God, we're so unworthy, and we're, you know, we just are, are these worms that are before you and everything. I mean, I, if God could puke, he would puke, but he wouldn't. But it's just so, uh, it's so religious to say that. And so unbiblical, in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Therefore there is now no condemnation to them which are in Jesus. So if you're in Jesus, you should, listen to me now, you should never have one day, one hour, one minute, one second of condemnation on your life. 
This scripture says that you won't be able to have boldness if you do. So if you can't come boldly before God, man, I come before God and I don't have any sense of guilt or condemnation. And it's not because I do everything right. Trust me, I do not. You could ask my wife and she would give you the list. But this is the thing. I don't, I don't come in my own self, my own righteousness before God. Most religion will tell you that's what you do. You come before God in your own righteousness. That is as filthy as rags, the Bible says. I come to my heavenly Father in his righteousness, which he has made me and given to me freely by his grace. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But we've been made righteous. Can you say amen? Everybody say, I've been made righteous. You couldn't get righteous. You were made that way. And you were made that way the day you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And guess what? You will be that throughout eternity. From then on, from that day on, you will be righteous. Some of you think, well, I don't know because I've done some bad things. Let me say this. This is what I always tell people, and then I help you get a hold of this. Before you became a Christian, before you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when you did good things... Were you made righteous or were you righteous before then? Let me answer it for you. No. You were not. You could do everything perfect and you would never be made righteous. There's only one way to be made righteous. That's through him, by him. So when people, now you flip on the other side. If you sin after you've been made righteous, are you a sinner then? No, you are not. It's the same way when you were not saved. By being good, you were not made righteous. If you sin, does not mean you're made a sinner. I know that's maybe hard for some religious people to get a hold of, but I'm telling you that is such a free because of this. If you don't have an understanding of that, you and I will continually try to do right to measure up. But you will know you always will fall short. You have fall short. You have fall short. Shorter and short. You have fall short. And then, so what's going to happen? You're going to feel condemned. And then, see, this is a dog chasing its tail. Then you're not going to be able to come before God in boldness and confidence that he can hear you, that he wants to, you to walk in his blessings and his goodness. Do you see this, how, how we've been taught and how we've been almost manipulated to think and to reason within ourselves that I have to be a better Christian. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we can just, just live any old way, just sin and, you know, whatever. Just do it anyway if you want to. No, we're not saying that. We are not saying that. Sin has consequences. But I will say this. The way that you and I look at sin, the way that God looks at sin, sin was nailed to the cross 2,000 years ago. He's no longer counting any sin that you do today against you. Let me try again. He is no longer counting any sin against you today. That's good news. That's why we can boldly come before God. That's why we can say, Father, I'm here. He goes, I'm so glad, man. Let's talk. But sometimes, you know, we do have a tendency to look at our failures, and I'm going to tell you something. 
don't let your failures, man, I've got bunches. I don't know about you, but I've got bunches. I've got bunches of failures. I've got some really, really just poor decisions, and then I've got some really just stupid decisions. There's no other way to be nice about it. You know, you look back, you go, that was really stupid. But listen to this. I want to give you two testimonies. Michael Jordan. Everybody know who Michael Jordan is, the basketball player? Even if you don't, my wife doesn't like sports, but she, she, okay, maybe not. But most people don't know Michael Jordan, all right? (laughs) She's talented and in other areas. But anyway, this is what he said. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. What he's saying is here, I don't let my failures keep me from succeeding and going higher. As believers, we should never let our failures keep us from going higher and soaring. They have no bearing on my life and my future. I said nothing in my past can keep me from my future. I'm going to say it again. Nothing in my past can keep me from my future. Abraham Lincoln, he lost eight elections, failed twice in business, And he suffered a nervous breakdown before he became the president of the United States. A nervous breakdown. Some of you may not have known that. I mean, can you imagine if somebody's running for president today and that was, you know, they dig up everything in your closet. I mean, things that are not even there, they find out. But uh, uh, can you imagine? There's no way he could become president today because that would have been full-blown, you know. Do you really want somebody who's had a nervous breakdown? Now, looking back, do you want somebody like Abraham Lincoln to be the president of the United States? Oh, hallelujah. If only we could. No, but anyway, my point is this, is that his failures, his failures did not limit him or blind him that he could not succeed and do what he's called to do. Come on now. This is for you and me today. Don't let your past failures, and when we're talking about emotions, we've lost some, maybe we've done some foolish things when it comes to the emotions. Maybe we've let depression just keep us so down that we've lived just a depressed life. Well, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, this is going to help us all today. Amen? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says this, don't worry about anything. How many things? Don't worry about anything. But, Pastor, this one's really serious. Well, it doesn't say don't worry about just, you know, the non-serious things. It says anything. Instead, this is what you do. You pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and then you thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. It didn't say that you will receive it. You will experience it. You've already got it. It's on the inside of you. But if you want to experience and walk it out, then this is what you have to do. You bring things before God. Thank him for what he's done, and then you're going to experience peace. It says, this peace which exceeds anything we can understand. 
this just is mind-boggling because your brain can't understand it. You can't understand the peace of God. But he says you won't be able to understand it. But his peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. In verse 7, it says, his peace, God's peace, will guard your heart. That word guard in the Greek is this. It means to be a watcher in advance, for example, to mount guard as a centennial, to post spies at the gates so that nothing can get in. So that nothing can get in. I believe this is the key to have emotional stability in your life and my life. The peace of God. You have to understand, you have to have a revelation of the peace of God if you're going to be able to just live, have stability in your life. Because we're all tempted with our emotions. Something bad happens. Your emotions want to just hijack you and take off and run like a runaway horse. But if you understand the peace of God, this peace will surpass all of your understanding. In other words, you can't understand. But I I was talking to God about this, this this past week about he started bringing up my past in a good way. Now, this may be hard to understand, but listen to the end. He says, Mike, I've had you in a bubble of peace so many times in your life. First of all, the peace that I'm talking about never leaves you nor forsakes you. It's with you all the time. He doesn't take it away. When an emotional circumstance or a tragedy happens, the peace is not taken away. It's still there. It's still there. Uh, When I was uh, a really, really young man, I got married. I went to work. For FedEx, my wife was going to work that morning. She went to work. She had a tragic accident, was killed tragically in an accident. A few, not very long after that, I was remarried and got divorced. When I was uh, growing up in life, and listen, I'm not saying these things. Listen to me now. Everybody listen. Everybody say, I'm listening. If you're, if you're watching TV and trying to watch me, Turn off the TV and listen. I'm not saying these things to get self-pity or sympathy. So don't, after the message, don't come up to your pastor. I'm so sorry. I'm going to go, what are you talking about? Listen to me now. My sister, she's in heaven today. She was, she was a lot older than me. I was born really, really, really late in life as far as my parents were concerned. She had two kids before I was even born. My sister, not my mother, but my sister had two kids before I was even born. The last one was born two months before I was born. He was born April 7th. I was born June 7th. So we grew up down the street together as like brothers, fought like brothers. We were inseparable. We did everything. We were just like brothers. When I turned uh, 21, uh, he was tragically murdered, murdered. One day I was without my, be- he was my best friend. And the Lord just brought all this to, and I, it, but listen to me, not just, not so I would feel depressed. He was making a point. He said, when all those things, ha- how many know, first of all, that God 
did not cause any of that to happen. I said God was not the author of any of that. If you don't get anything out of this church, when you come to this church, you will realize that God is a good father and no evil, no, nothing bad ever comes from him. Whether it's sickness, whether it's death, well, I don't care what it is. It's not from him. But anyway, that's another message. But my point is this. He says, Mike, when all those things happen to you, if you remember, you were in my peace and protected and guarded. And I look back and I remember. People would even come to me and say, man, I'm amazed, you know, that you're doing so well. And I didn't realize it at the time, but when I look back, it was just the peace of God. This scripture was reality to me. It guarded my heart and my mind because I was in Christ. The peace of God that he's talking about is supernatural peace. I can't explain it just with human intellect. But there is something called the peace of God. In reality, the peace of God is Jesus himself. The Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. What does that mean? He, let me put it this way. Our Lord said, when all those things happen, he says, the point is, this is what you need to know, Mike. No person, no circumstance, nothing can happen to you that can literally rob you of peace. No circumstance can happen. No rejection. I've been rejected by the best. No rejection. No, nothing can happen to you, Mike. Now, people do let the peace just get so pushed down they don't experience it, but the peace is there for them to tap into it. So if you don't get anything out of this message, just know that when stuff, stuff, stuff is going to happen to all of us. Stuff happens. Stuff happens. But this is what God has placed on this planet. He's placed Jesus on this planet so that in the midst of the storm, there's peace. When the disciples were going across the lake and a storm came, he was sleeping. Peace was sleeping. The disciples were sitting there going, we're all going to die. They were professional fishermen, so they knew. It's not like you and me, a little wind come up and go, oh, man, this is terrible. You know, and the fish, you know when I flew in the Air Force, we flew in some, I mean, horrific storms. I mean, the plane would just bounce, and, you know, I would come off the ground and just I mean, it was storms. And so when I fly commercially now, people go, oh, and I go, this is nothing. This is, no, you just, you just check with, no problem. You know, but this is like the professional fishermen. Now, if, when they start complaining, it's time to get serious. So they were complaining like, oh, we're all going to die. So they woke up Jesus. And this is the first thing. And this is still what religious people say today. Don't you care? Don't you care? We're going to die. Don't you care? People say that to Jesus today. God doesn't really care. Oh, yeah, he cares a lot. You just don't know. I don't just, we don't know. He cares. So anyway, he got up. The Prince of Peace got up, and he spoke to the storm, spoke to the wind, spoke to the waves. He spoke to the, the point is this. If peace is in your boat, it doesn't matter what storm comes your way or my way. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. If we don't understand about this supernatural peace that I'm talking about, your emotions can hijack you. Circumstances can hijack you. 
You can get in a self-pity mode. You can live in a depressed state. You can live in such a depressed state. I mean, how many people do we keep reading about and hearing about that commit suicide? They think there's no hope. There is no such thing as peace for them. When all reality is the Prince of Peace is wanting to help them in every area of their life, whether you're going through a divorce, whether you're going through a death, whether you're going through stuff. I mean, everybody goes every day of the world of this time, somebody's going through something. So what, what do we do? Does God just say, well, you know, just get by the best you can? No, he says this. No matter what circumstance, no matter what rejection, no matter what person is mistreating you, no matter what's going on in your life, you can get a hold of the prince in peace and bring it before God and talk to him about it, first of all. It says talk to him about it. And listen to me. When he says, you know, come and talk to me about it, but have no thankfulness for it. In other words, you, you thank God because once you talk to him about it, thanking him means that everything's going to be taken care of. You know, I tell my leaders, when you come to me with a problem, with no solution, that's called a complaint. A lot of Christians go before God complaining. When in reality, if you go to him with a problem, the way to resolve that problem is to thank him that he, you know that because you brought the problem to him, everything's going to be all right. It's, it's a fixer-upper deal. You understand? you got to thank him for it, but most people don't thank him for it. When I go before God, I go, man, God, I'm just struggling in this area, but you know what? I just, and after I talk to him about it, I say, thank you for helping me. Thank you for taking care of this for me. When you've got emotions that will just hijack you. And listen, if you're living in an emotional state to where you feel like you have next week, Lord willing, we're going to talk about anger and uh, uh, how to have victory over that. But listen, if you are struggling in any area of your emotions, maybe you're li living in a, a point of depression where you have to take medication, you know, or, or you just feel like you don't have victory in that. Listen, you need to get a hold of this word. You need to get a hold of this message. You can listen to it again and again and again. And you may need to listen to something. I do know this. There's been times in my life that I thought I knew the truth concerning something in the word of God. And then years, years later, I realized I did not know squat. I would preach on it. And I would not even, I, I look back and I go, Mike, you preached it, but you didn't know it. And what I meant by that is believe it right here inside. My point is this. When you understand this message about the Prince of Peace is in here. When you understand that nothing can, listen to me. When you understand that nothing can happen to you. No person can take this away. No circumstance can take this away. I've got peace and there's nothing you can do to change it. Wow. You know you're going to just be walking on cloud nine all the time. People are going to look at you and go, you know, he lost his mind. <laughs> he, should, he should be really depressed right now. They fired him. Did you hear he got fired? Yeah. And his wife left him. Yeah. And his dog bit him. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. His car got repossessed. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing. I, I don't think the only thing else can do is him die. That's good. I think that's about all that can happen to him. But look at him. Look at him. He's walking around and he thinks everything's okay. 
Your mental mind can't explain this. But the peace of God can cause you to live like that. Everybody say, that's a good father. I don't deserve that. You don't deserve that. But he says, I'm giving you that. I'm giving you that. In John 16, it's one of my favorite scriptures. This is Jesus. He's talking to his disciples. John 16, 33. I like the amplified version. It really amplifies it. It says this, I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. There is a place that you and I can live to where we don't just have peace, we have perfect peace. What, kind of, what does that mean? It's a supernatural peace that only God can give. And you say, well, I want it. The good news is if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you got it. You got it. In me, you shall have perfect peace. And not only perfect peace, but you can have confidence. Confidence in what? Every area of your life. The world will try to, uh, and especially religion, will try to tell you you're unworthy. You don't measure up. You know, people hear what happened to me in my past, and they think, I don't know if you're qualified to be a preacher. (laughs) Well, I'm going to give you a news flash. There's nobody on this planet qualified to be a preacher. That's right. Which means I qualify because of him. But anyway, he says you can have confidence. I have confidence when I get behind this pulpit or when I'm talking to somebody about God. I have full 100%. I don't have all the answers, but I have confidence in the God I know who's inside of me is, has the ability to help people. It goes beyond my understanding, but I know I have the ability because of him. So you get a confidence and a peace, and he says, but in this world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trials. You're going to have distress. You're going to have frustration. And that's even before you get out of bed. (laughs) But aren't you glad there's not a period after that? But he says, but. Everybody say but. But. I love all the buts in the Bible. But be of good cheer. How can you be of good cheer when he just says, if you're you're on the planet, you're going to have frustrations, you're going to have trials, you're going to have tribulations, you're going to have all this stuff. But. Be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it. Listen to me. He has deprived it of its power or ability to harm you. That is the word of God. That is a fact. But that is something the majority of Christian believers do not believe or do not experience. But it's still true. So my job is to make sure we get this out so we can renew our mind. First of all, to even know that it's available. It's available to be worry-free. It's available to never let circumstance, tragedy, or anything. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not saying that you don't, you should never, you know, feel grief or something when someone uh, dies. I'm not saying that. But I am saying this. It should not become a lifestyle. I've known people, and we've even had relatives in our family that, you know, somebody died 24 years ago, and they're still grieving. That's something wrong with that picture. 
I talked to people, and I think they got a divorce, you know, a few months ago. And it was like back in 1978. I went, what? I mean, they talk like, you know, they got divorced like this year. Something happened to somebody, and I go, yeah, and you think it's recent, and it's years ago, sometimes even decades ago, and I'm just flabbergasted. I'm thinking, you need help. And the good news is God is ready and willing to help you and me. He does not want you living in a state of grief, a state of depression, there's people living who did you wrong that are living rent-free in your mind. They, it's just wrong. And they're not thinking a day about you, but you're thinking every day about them. That is just, man, I want people, you know, that, that did me wrong. I want them to know that I am doing just fine. Matter of fact, I'm better than fine. I'm super-duper fine. I mean, I'm the finest of fine. I am doing great. You should envy me. And I am. And this is the way that Jesus wants you and me to live. Because why? He is living inside of you and me. He does not want to live in a depressed home. He does not want to live in a discouraged home. He does not want to live in in a home that, that feels unworthy. He says, if I'm in the home, you're worthy. Oh, thank you, Jesus. No condemnation. Nothing that can separate you from the love of God. We need to get a hold of this. You have to do some meditation to think about this because there's going to be bad thoughts that come to your mind of what you did, what's going on. Every person that's struggling, you need to get these scriptures out that we're talking about, and you need just to think about them because of this. You don't need to think about them. Now, make sure you're listening to this part. You don't need to think about him in the fact that I have to conquer this. I have to beat this. I have to win at this. I'm a competitive guy, and I always want to win. Somebody says, you know, you shouldn't play to win. If I'm not playing to win, I'm not going to play. Oh, you want to play? Well, let's play to lose. People say that's unchristian. No, it's unchristian the other way. But anyway, my point is this. My point is this. Everybody stay unfocused. Stay focused. I know that when I'm trying to defeat something or overcome something, we have to flip it around and say this. Jesus defeated this for me. I do not have to defeat it. Did you know that puts the devil in a defensive move instead of offensive move? Because when he goes, what? Well, you do have to feed. You, ha- you have to win it. You have to be. I go, no, 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 I don't. Jesus already won it for me. Yes. If you're bumping heads with somebody at work, at home, just keep looking forward. I mean, wherever, I mean, you go to a family reunion and it's just, there's some head knocking going on, you know. I mean, this is what you need to think. I do not have to change anything, Jesus has already won this for me. Now, I know that may sound kind of strange, but it will cause you to live victory no matter what circumstance or atmosphere that you're in. I'm going to say it again. If you have an understanding of this, you will have victory no matter what circumstance or atmosphere that you're in because you realize, I don't have to beat this. I don't have to, listen to me, I don't have to beat depression. 
I don't have to beat anger. Jesus already beat it for me. Ha, 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 devil. I don't have to win at this. He won it for me. And I can prove it in Isaiah chapter 53. Look at every single word on this. Isaiah 53, 3. He was despised. This is talking about Jesus, prophecy of Jesus. And he was rejected and he was forsaken by men, a man of sorrows and pains, acquainted with grief and sickness. And like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we did not appreciate his worth or have any esteem for him. Surely he has borne our griefs, our sickness, and our weakness, and our distress. So listen, if you think that you have a weakness in your emotions, Jesus bore this for you. Did you hear that? If you feel like you got a weakness in any area of your personality, well, this is just my personality. This is talking about you. I'm Irish, and this is why I have a... No, don't blame anything. Jesus bore the Irish for you, okay? <laughs> don't get offended. I probably got Irish in me. I've got anything, so I can't offend anybody. I've got something inside of me that I don't... Maybe even E.T. But anyway, verse 4, he says, Surely he has borne our griefs and our sickness and our weakness and our distresses and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. Verse 5. This is one you need to get a hold of. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Not his, but ours. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. Not his guilt, but ours. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. He's saying right here, everything that you need in life to have peace and every circumstance was taken care of 2,000 years ago. Woo! Come on now. He said the chastisement needful to obtain peace. There was something that had to be done for you and me to obtain peace. And guess what? It had nothing to do with you and me. I don't care if you've been trying to win the lottery to get peace or trying to get your spouse to straighten up to get peace, trying to get your boss, trying to get your kids. Man, you can just keep trying. It it ain't going to happen. You can't do something. This is so good. (laughs) You cannot do something to obtain the peace that you're trying to get. But if you understand 2,000 years ago, He took care of it. The chastisement needful to obtain peace was taken care of. Oh, man. Let me read it one more time. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquity. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with his stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. I am whole. From the top of my head to the soles of my feet, my mind is whole. My feelings, my emotions are not just feelings of my body, but they have been touched and they have obtained peace by what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. I'm not trying to get peace, not working to get peace, not trying to just, you know, make everybody like me to get peace. If you don't like me, that's your problem. I've got peace. 
and it came from nothing what I could do. It came from what he did 2,000 years ago. He bought it and purchased it and said, Mike, this is for you. So when you're struggling with something, you need to just say, I have peace. I know the devil is trying. Do you know the devil is, tries to get in our mind and tries to take healing away from us? He tries to take prosperity away from us. And he tries to take peace from us. Because if, if you're hurting in your body, your mind thinks there's a lack of peace. Because of, you know, disease is disease is disease. D-I-S-E-A-S-E. I'll try to say it in Colorado and not Kentuckian. Dis-ease. Disease means you're not have ease. Okay, we won't go there. But anyway, I'm trying to say sickness will try to take your peace away. There's some things you just know don't keep doing it. But uh, you got to know that when you have sickness or a lack of financial prosperity in your life, it causes your mind to have no peace. Well, I'm telling you, you can get to a place no matter what is going on in your life. I got peace, and you can't take it away. The devil wants to take healing away from you. The devil wants to take prosperity away from you, and he wants to take peace away from you. But this is the problem. Most Christians think that that's not only possible, but he has the authority to do that. <laughs> he does not. He's not powerful enough to do that he has to lie to you to do that and then you believe him you believe a lie then you lose but the sad thing is the peace and the healing and the prosperity is still in you you just believe a lie I didn't say this the first scripture first service there's a scripture in Psalms 119. I probably didn't even give it to him. Psalms 119, verse 29, the New Living Testament. Listen to this. 119, verse 29. Man, you're quick, Jewel. Julie is quicker than me. I was getting ready to read it. Boom. <laughs> Keep me, listen to this. Keep me from lying to myself. <laughs> this is, keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. People are lying to themselves all the time. Well, I just can't obtain peace, liar. I just can't get healed, liar. I just can't get ahead, liar. I'm trying to be real blunt. Do you notice? I just can't get a hold of this, liar. I can't do anything right, liar. <laughs> Have I got everybody's attention? Psalms 119. I even go down where everybody lives. I just can't lose weight. Ow! I just wanted to hit everybody. We're not going to leave anybody undone today. I just can't do this. I just can't do this. Liar. We lie to ourselves probably a lot. I just can't get a good job. Liar. I'm just being real, real today. Real, real. And this is why the Bible says, keep me from lying to myself. I wonder why it said that. Because it must be easy to do. We lie to ourselves. We lie to ourselves. The thing is, I have peace 
on the inside of me in the midst of every storm that I've gone through or will go through. I have peace. There's no circumstance, no person, no demon in hell that can take that from me. All of the demons can camp out on my front porch, and I've got peace. I'll just say, excuse me, pardon me. I'm leaving now. I've got peace. And the peace is the prince of peace. It's Jesus. No matter what circumstance that Jesus was going through, in a boat through the storm, I've got, he's peaceful. He didn't go, you guys should have woke me up earlier. The boat's full of water. Why did you wait? He didn't respond like that. Lazarus was dead four days, and they told him on the first day that he was just sick. He says, we're going to wait four days till he's dead, to where he stinketh. He didn't lose any peace. When he was on the cross and they were nailing him, lying about him. You, ever, you know, you, people lose their peace when they get, people lie about them. People have lied about me. People have lied about you. You're tempted to lose your peace. Our example is when Jesus was on the cross. They, they lied about him. They said all kinds of lies about him. He didn't go. It's not true. It's not true. No, he just, you can't take peace away from him. Even while he was on the cross and they lied about him, he never lost peace. He knew what to say every time. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Into thy hands I commit my spirit unto you, Father. He gave himself unto God. I'm telling you, he never, ever, you say, well, he's God. No, in Philippians uh, 4, 7, 3, 7, 4, 7, something 7. It says that he emptied himself when he came to this planet. He was a man. He was a man. He did that because he was 100% dependent upon God. Listen to me now. He was 100% dependent upon God. And because he was, he knew he was a child of God. He was the son of God. He knew all of that. And because of that, he says, I have victory in every area of my life. Why am I saying that? You and I can do the same. It wasn't a deity trick. It was not. Everything that Jesus did was not a deity trick. He says, don't try this at home now. Jesus never did say that. (laughs) I'm, walking, I'm the one walking on water, but don't try this at home. I raise the dead, but don't try this at home. I lay hands on the sick, but don't try this at home. Everything I do, it's a deity trick. Don't try this at home. You can't find that in the Bible. But you can find this. The works that I do, you shall do also. Woo! Hallelujah! That cuts out the deity trick. I mean, Peter, no. If that's you, Jesus, bid me to come. Jesus didn't say, hey, this is a deity trick. What do you think you're doing? You can't walk on water. Jesus said one thing, come. And he did. And Peter did. He said, well, he failed. But he did walk. And the reason he's failed is because he looked at circumstances, and that robbed him of the peace. The devil is out to rob you and me of peace, so we can't have peace. And if you don't have peace, you're not going to have confidence. You're not going to have stability in your life. You'll make stupid decisions like I, oh man, I made some stupid decisions. 
Because you peace just, yeah, I mean, you, it's somewhere in there, but I didn't look toward it. Listen, you and I need to know. You've got to know and have a revelation that peace is on the inside of me. Peace is on the inside of you. You don't have to obtain it. Don't have to do good to get it. This is the good news. This is called the gospel. You don't have to do good to get peace. Well, I know that if I would just do right. How long have you been trying that? How's it working for you? It doesn't. It doesn't work for me. I quit trying to do right. Pick yourself up off the floor and, no, I, I quit. I just looked at Jesus and I'm thankful that he did everything right for me. He did everything right for me. He conquered everything for me. Anger issue, he conquered that for me. Impatient, he conquered that. He conquered that. He took care of that. Just read Isaiah 53. He did that so I could freely have it. Amen. Let's stand.